Welcome to the best of the best trip ever. As we look back on 2018 and look forward to 2019, it's Carrie and Jim, and we want to share with you some of the favorite things that we did in 2018. Wow, this list is so long. I cannot even imagine having to go through this, and we are going to have some fun with this. So let's start out with a few stats. Okay, well, first thing we should talk about is that this, to make the list, it doesn't have to be new in 2018. It's just things that we did in the calendar year from January 1st to December 31st. So best doesn't necessarily mean best in the world. It just means the best thing that we did in a certain category in the calendar year. So come January 1st, it's all wiped clean. And we got to start all over with our travels again. Oh, darn. Challenge accepted. By the way, we appreciate you sharing and downloading and being part of our Facebook page and our Twitter page and all that fun stuff. So be sure to uh, share and let people know that you enjoy the best trip ever on whatever platform you enjoy. And again, thank you for downloading the podcast. So let's, let's look at the numbers. So to give you an idea, over the past 12 months, we've been to seven states, eight countries, and 10 theme parks. That is international theme parks and domestic theme parks. I would say probably close to 60 nights of hotel. I have lost track on that. And so many flights that we have statused on two different international carriers. So wow, quite a year and a lot of passport stamps. We've had an exceptional year for travel. For a year that we started where we really had very few plans, we just knew obviously we were going to go a few places. Wow, a lot of things came to fruition and we had a total blast. So what is the first category? Favorite hotel. What's your favorite hotel? Oh man, this is okay. This is a really tough one. And we stayed at some great places, but it all comes down to personal preference, comes down to timing, mood. There's, there's a lot of factors. But for me personally... And this doesn't mean any hotel was less than my choice. But for me, I loved the Ritz in London. For me, the Ritz in London, it was so old school. It was so traditional, so classic. I mean, it has such a rich history. The Queen has stayed there. So many celebrities. I loved how formal it was. I loved the high tea. I loved how friendly and how great the service was. And they, and they did a recent remodel of the rooms, so they're updated as well for, for, the, for this century. So yeah, for me personally, I love the Ritz in London. And I went the totally opposite direction. I love the Brando and Tetiaroa French Polynesia. It is one of the top hotels in the world, and I didn't love it just because it's got a bragging factor. Major celebrities, presidents, heads of state, they've all stayed there, but what I loved about it was the attention to detail and the service level. The rooms were fantastic, the villas were gorgeous, and I've stayed in some pretty fabulous villas around the world in my job. But the fact that everything was on point, I don't think they really knew the word no. It was service, service level, and it was understated. There was, it felt like there was nobody there, and the fact that we were out in the ocean and there was nobody for miles and miles to be seen, it was just the serenity and the exclusivity. So the Brando is my winner. One of the amazing things that happened that has never happened before at any hotel we've ever stayed at is we were leaving dinner and we decided to stop by the bar and we hadn't been to the bar yet. And who the beverage manager who happened to be working the bar that night said, uh, hello, Mr. Valley. Hello, Miss Mullen. Oh, you just came from such and such restaurant. May I recommend this cocktail for you? They knew who we were, even though he'd never seen us. 
They knew our schedule and they had recommendations for us. It was, it was amazing. They knew what we had had for dinner. They knew we had gone to the teppanyaki restaurant. So he had a cocktail that complemented what we had just had at dinner. It blew my mind. It was just like you had every little detail and everybody communicates so well behind the scenes there. It was fabulous. Yeah, so definitely the Brando deserves to be on the list. Yeah. Going to item number two, favorite theme park. This one's a tough one. When you've been to 10 in a year... I am going to have to go with Paris Disneyland. We have been there two times before, and there was something about this particular trip that made it so magical being there over Thanksgiving, and it was decorated for Christmas, and it was cold and foggy, and it was exactly what you would think of when you think of kind of a magical castle fairyland. So Paris Disneyland is my big winner this year. It wasn't that it was empty. It was, it was certainly had people there. But it wasn't as overly crowded as the U.S. Disney parks are right now. They have become such a tradition. I swear, in the past almost 30 years, we have seen from Christmas used to be a nice time to go. It was decorated a little bit, and it wasn't that busy, and it was just kind of a pleasant winter getaway. And now it's a ritual. It's a rite of passage. People go, we've been to Disneyland and Disney World on Christmas Day, and it was packed with people. And it hasn't really reached that frenzy yet, knock on wood, at Disneyland Paris. And I loved that. I loved that it was decorated. They had special lights and special shows and the, the all the characters were dressed up. But it was maybe, you know, maybe like a 45 minute wait for a ride or a line, which is completely reasonable and keeps you in the holiday spirit. So I loved that. Well, so is that your winner too? Are you going to copycat me or do I, is there another one that you think is your favorite? Because I know we've seen some good ones this year. Okay. So we have seen many great theme parks this year, but in some ways, this is a very easy choice for me because there's really only one, and that is Efteling. Is there a more charming place in the world? Is there a sweeter place in the world? I haven't seen it. It's a beautiful park. It, it's like falling into a Hans Christian Andersen fairy tale, but they still have some modern rides, some thrill rides with technology, but they keep many of the old rides, including some vintage carousels, including some vintage dark rides. They have a museum where you can see some of the history of the rides and the attractions and some set pieces that they've kept. It is such a darling park. And, um, one of our most successful YouTube videos has been our trip to Efteling, and that's because so many people in the area are so proud of Efteling that they love Efteling. And we've gotten so many comments from people who live near Efteling and go to Efteling and love it that they're just they they're proud of it. And I, and I can't blame them. It's like nothing in the world. It's the sweetest park. If you love theme parks, you should go to Efteling. You owe it to yourself to go to Efteling. And we'll plan, we're planning on going back there sometime in the wintertime because I've seen pictures of it in the snow and it looks like a magical fairyland. Now, I do want to say this. I think a, a, an honorable mention goes to Fantasia Land. Fantasia Land, when we went there, everyone said, we asked people what it was like and they said, oh, it's nice, but it's small, which to me means it's kind of a, a buffer, a nice way of saying it's not great. And Fantasia Land is great. It's, it's, it's a more traditional theme park, but they've got some great attractions, some outstanding theming, uh, the, one of the best dark rides you're ever going to see, but it's, it's hard to compete with, with Efteling that is so unique, but Fantasia Land definitely up there with my favorite theme parks. 
Perfect. So I guess that's a great segue into what was your favorite roller coaster in 2018? And I know there's a lot of them. We did ride a few great roller coasters, but one comes to mind, and that's Terran. Terran doesn't have any loops. It doesn't have any barrel rolls or cobra rolls. But what it does have is an incredible design in a compact space that has speed and elegance and smoothness into an exciting ride. And I I loved it. How about you? I'm in agreement with you 100% on that one. Hands down, that was my favorite roller coaster this year and probably my favorite roller coaster I've ever ridden. They did that one perfectly. It's smooth. It's comfortable. It's got great audio. I mean, you look at it and you can't figure out where that track is going. And I would have loved to have ridden that one many, many times over. So hands down. We do have a YouTube video up if you want to see it and watch it. But the, the videos don't do it justice. You need to ride it and you need to experience it. I will say this. Um, a second, I think, our honorable mention has got to be to Six Flags Mexico and Medusa. What an incredible roller coaster. I've never seen anything like that. That was a wooden track steel coaster, which was an interesting combination. And again, you didn't know where you were going, even in the queue. It was a long one, but it was so worth it because you didn't know, you know, how long it was till you got to the actual front of the queue, but super smooth because most of those wooden coasters after a while are kind of a head shaker. That one pulled some serious G's, so it deserves placement too. And it goes up, say, you know, it rolls. It does a lot of things that no other wooden roller coaster does. It is an outstanding coaster in its own right. And and I would put that right up there as well. Okay, moving forward. What was your favorite meal this year? Because we know one of the highlights of our travel is eating. Oh, boy. We had some great meals this year. Um, this is hard. This is This is a really tough category, but... I have got to go to the place where I went back to after I went to it the first time, and that is in Las Vegas at the Park MGM. It used to be the Monte Carlo, and uh, it's Bavette Steakhouse. Bavette Steakhouse is everything you want a steakhouse to be. It's brand new, but it's got dark lighting. It's got dark wood. It looks classic with the design, but it's all, it's all new construction. The service level is excellent. Uh, your server has recommendations for you and ideas and is very engaged in your dining process and your dining experience. And I, the food was amazing. The steak is great. Uh, you love the sides and that chocolate cream pie. The chocolate cream pie is a must. If, if you're a vegetarian or maybe you, you, you don't want to spend that much in Las Vegas, just go sit at the bar or go back. They have got a speakeasy, which is so cool in the very, very back. I think it's like behind like a bookshelf and you just ask and you can go back and it's like this private bar in the back and you can have the chocolate cream pie, which is the best dessert. So Bavette's gets my vote for best meal. I loved Bavette's and I too went back a couple months later when I was there on business. But for me, my favorite meal was at the Brando. And it was something that wasn't even on the menu. So this goes back to my service level. 
I'm a huge fan of poke and sashimi and any sort of raw fish combination that you can get in the tropics. And one day at lunch, I looked at the menu and there were six to choose from. And I asked the chef or asked our server, Christoph, to bring all of them to me. So uh, they went in the back and they took a piece of slate and they had six different kinds of seafood for me. So I called it my seafood sashimi flight. So hands down, I thought that was my favorite meal. And I actually did it two days in a row because it was so delicious. And I will always dream of that Tahitian Poussin, which is their version of um, poke, but they make it with coconut. So my hands down to the brand over my favorite meal you know the uh, meg ryan character and when harry met sally <laughs> and how she likes everything on the side well that's kind of my wife she's very <laughs> nice about it but oftentimes she is re-engineering uh, dishes and menu items and this one she re-engineered and they came back with it was beautiful you know they put it on this slate this piece of slate and if you wouldn't have known, you would have thought that they that this was on the menu, that this was a signature chef piece. For something that they put together on a whim, everything had a place. It was symmetrical. It, it was beautiful to look at, aside from the individual dishes, the, the plate as a whole, the way everything was presented. So the fact that they were able to do that on such short notice is amazing. And if you get a chance to go, try that. Or I wouldn't be surprised if someday it's on the menu because it looks so good and you can't tell me that wouldn't be a popular item because it would be. And they tell me I was the first one to do it. Well, moving from food, let's go to beverage. Favorite beverage. I'm going to go with um, our walking tour when we were in Mexico City. We did a stop at a beverage shop where they were making in the Mercado homemade beverages that you could choose. Well, I am a big fan of horchata. So I figured that was my one chance to get it homemade, standing right there while they were making it. And it was fantastic. So it's a rice drink and with some cinnamon and different individual spices. So it's always different. But hands down, horchata in El Mercado in Mexico City for me. If you go to the Mercado, it's over by a wall. It's sort of like if you walk in, it's over to the left-hand area. So just keep walking over and you hit a wall and you'll eventually see the area. It's a bar. She's got some blenders, had some fruit, and she couldn't be nicer. So if you ever get the opportunity to go to the main market, the Mercado in Mexico City, that's where it's located. So I learned something about myself with this year's best beverage. And again, this goes back to uh, the Ritz and just being in England. I like high tea. You know, I've been to Victoria and I've tried tea there for some reason. I don't know if it was just the timing. It was cold. I was in England. We were at the Ritz. But uh, I loved British tea. And I loved the idea of, of just taking a break in the middle of the day. And you sit down and you have some formal tea and some cakes or finger sandwiches. And the tea is outstanding. And just the way they do it at the Ritz, the presentation is is incredible. So my favorite beverage, high tea at the Ritz. And I can't say the tea also at, uh, at the uh, Be Our Guest tea was fabulous. Tell people about that. Oh, well, that would fall into one of my favorite things I did this year. We went to the Kensington Hotel where they do high tea, which is themed to Be Our Guest from Beauty and the Beast. And it was fantastic. So you choose your tea of choice. You get a variety of finger sandwiches and different hors d'oeuvres and sweet treats. And everything is themed around the movie Be, uh, um, Beauty and the Beast. And I'll tell you, of the probably 30 people that were having high tea at the time, I only saw two children. So 
it was very much adults that were focused towards it. And it was probably one of my biggest surprises of traveling this year because I knew I would enjoy it because I'm a huge fan of Beauty and the Beast, but I didn't realize how much I would enjoy it. And I really geeked out there. So if you get a chance and you're looking for a high tea and there are so many to choose from and you're a Disney fan, that one's worth booking, but make sure you book it far in advance. Loved it. It was a lot of fun. So moving forward, that will bring us to how about your favorite bed? We stay in some pretty great hotels, and I jokingly call it that we sleep in marshmallows. Which one was your favorite after a long international flight that you fell into? Probably um, Mexico City. Probably. What, what about you? I am in 100% agreement with you on that one. We had flown a red-eye flight from Seattle to Mexico City. We got to our room. We were tired, and we fell into bed. And I seriously think that it, we were sleeping like five minutes, not because we were tired, but because the linens were such a high quality, and the bed was so comfortable, and we were sleeping on a cloud. Is that the Ritz-Carlton? Uh, it was a Four Seasons Mexico City in La Reforma. And after that trip, I think part of the reason I got the Christmas present that I did was somebody bought me all new linens because we figured why not have that same experience at home so thanks jim for the lovely new linens this year too there you go so next one let's go with we spend a lot of time in resorts so let's go with pool time i love me a good swimming pool so which one would be your favorite of the dozens of pools that we were at this year Go ahead. You go first. I'm going to go with Unico, which is in the Riviera Maya. And not necessarily because I think it had water slides and a lot of, you know, different things in terms of that. But I liked what it had in terms of amenities at the pool itself. You could order your um, food right to your chair from the app on your phone. It, and it didn't. And they had quiet um, locations at the pool. They had a DJ out in the pool. They had the giant floating unicorns. But if you wanted to just be quiet, you went to the quiet pool and you had the same options of ordering food directly from your phone. And that's what I would say would probably be my favorite um, pool areas because it had so many options to choose from right there and you never had to get out of your seat if you didn't want to. I'm going to stay in Riviera Maya and I am going to go with Nazook. Uh, Nazook has got incredible pool options. They've got a main family pool and it's black tile. So it's very classic looking. And then if you go to the adult area, they've got several different long pools that adults can enjoy. They've got the way they've integrated some of the seats in the pools. As a matter of fact, there was a group of girls, a group of women there who were there for a, probably somebody's birthday, I would guess, some sort of girls trip. And they spent, <clears throat> I don't know, they spent half hour, 45 minutes with a photographer taking pictures around the pool. It's so pretty and so picturesque. That And also very functional. It's very functional. It's very peaceful. So yeah, I love the pools at Nazook. So that will segue us into what was your favorite beach? And I know we saw a lot of beaches this year. We were kind of everywhere from the South Pacific to Florida. And do you have a favorite? What was your favorite beach? Oh, the Brando. Absolutely the Brando. The white sand, the crystal water. The water was so like liquid diamonds it shone and just was was gorgeous so no i've got to go favorite beach has got to be the brando walking away on that one 
Yeah, I'm going to agree with you definitely on the Brando. I will give a nice nod off uh, to the big island of Hawaii at the Mauna Lani. We were there when the volcano was kind of having its little uh, hiccups. So there was nobody there. They were at about 10% occupancy. So it was like having your own private beach in Hawaii. So I will give a nod to the big island because you don't think of it as a beach destination, but we had a great time there. You know, and that's something to think about is when the volcano was going off, it, it the visit was not dramatically affected so we had a great very private intimate experience because so many people avoided it so something to think about if, if that ever comes up again you know do your research and see what kind of clearance there is and you could probably find yourself you know in a very exclusive area with not a lot of people I uh, get a very private experience just uh, just by doing some extra research especially since all the beaches are uh, public in Hawaii as well as Mexico. Really, you can use any beach. You just have to get to the facilities. So that moves us forward. What was your most unexpected thing that we didn't have planned that we ended up doing on a whim this year during our travels? I know what yours was. Mine was the Brady Bunch house. Oh my gosh, that is my favorite TV show of all time. We happened to be down in LA. We flew down for one night just because we needed some sun in the month of March. It was kind of gray and drizzly for months on end here in Seattle. And on a whim, we decided to figure out where the Brady Bunch house was. And oh my gosh, I totally geeked out at the Brady Bunch house. And when we went, it was before it had been sold and had so much press coverage. Now, obviously, there's much more coverage. They've kind of restored it and they're doing a whole HGTV program with the Bradys, with the Brady kids that are going to be doing it. But I geeked out of the Brady house for sure. Okay, talk about something that was unexpected and unplanned. I am going to say that when we went to Harrods in London, the steakhouse at Harrods. Now, it's not a steakhouse. It's a counter. It's part of the food hall, the massive food hall in Harrods. They've got oysters and caviar bars. They have got chicken. They have got virtually any kind of food you could want in a different area. And one of the areas is called the steakhouse. So you walk up to the counter and they sell meat by the 100 grams, but you have to buy a minimum of 200 grams. And they give you different options. You can get a ribeye. I think I got a Wagyu ribeye and I got 200 grams. And you sit at this counter and you have a great meal that's reasonably priced. And it's a fun experience. The uh, staff is dressed like they're in a steakhouse in black and white. And they're very refined. They are, they're acting like they're in a steakhouse as well. But you're in this bar, sitting at this counter, uh, in this food hall, in a huge shopping center, a huge shopping building, department store essentially, in, in London. So I thought that was, that was a lot of fun. And, and you love the sides as well. Oh, it was fantastic. I don't know. I went for the macaroni and cheese, but I ended up finishing off Jim's uh, oh-so-fabulous mashed potatoes. And the price was very reasonable when you consider that you are in a, you know, a luxury shopping center and you are paying with the pound. The bill came today from the American Express. And for two of us, for a meal, I think it was like $130 is what it ended up being, which we've paid much more from that at a nice steakhouse here, even in Seattle. So yeah. hands down. Yeah. So that was a lot of fun. So the steakhouse, which is really a counter here in Harrods in London. 
So that falls into our unexpecteds, which are always fun to consider. Now, also unexpected is that Jim and I are not known for museums. It's not really our thing. I joke and say I like a museum gift shop because I'm a shopper. But this year, because we did some more cultural things, we actually did a couple of museums. So do you have a favorite museum? Oh, easily. And this this is really amazing because of all of our YouTube videos, this one is not doing well. And it's awesome. And I understand, you know, it's not the biggest place in the world and, and on the outside it doesn't look like much, but you know what's incredible? The Hollywood Museum. Now, if you listen to the podcast, you know, I grew up as a kid watching reruns of Batman 1966 with Adam West and Burt Ward and Burgess Meredith and Cesar Romero and and uh, all three Catwomen and, and everything just bam, pow. Same bat time, same bat channel. And so I wanted to go down and see the exhibit that they had on Batman 66. And I figured what? We figured we'd stay there an hour. At the most. Hour, 45 minutes, see that, leave, take off. And what a pleasant surprise. If you get a chance to go, go. Now it's on the Hollywood Walk of Fame and I get it. There's crappy t-shirt shops, there's Ripley's, there's wax museums, there's all the tacky... Hawkers. <laughs> yeah, there's tourist stuff, there's, there's you know, street Elmos, there's all this mm. stuff, you know, weird-looking super people that want your picture or to pay for it and everything. I mean, I get it. It's, it's a little sketchy area. But this museum is a... Lit- yeah, I like the way the sirens are going off <laughs> when I'm talking about Hollywood Boulevard because that's appropriate. Anyway... This museum could stand alone on its own anywhere, anywhere in the world. They do a tremendous job curating it. You can tell that the people that have worked on it and uh, curated it have done it with love. You can tell that they know the art of movie making and television and entertainment. And there's just a rich history there. It was every floor was fascinating. Oh, I couldn't believe what we saw there. It was a lot of it was like going to the Smithsonian. And my favorite parts of the Smithsonian are the ruby slippers. And they had a pair of the ruby slippers here at the Hollywood Museum. They had a whole tribute to Annette Funicello. They had all the pop culture 70s shows of my childhood from the Brady's to the Partridge family to Laverne and Shirley. But all the things that I grew up with. They had uh, I Dream of Jeannie's Bottle. So I was having a great time because I went with the thought like, Jim's going to enjoy the Batman thing. We'll be there an hour and a half tops and then we'll go figure out something else to do. Probably go lay by a pool at the hotel. That did not happen at all. I think we didn't go to the pool. (laughs) I was amazed at all of the different exhibits that are there. There are classic things like costumes from Star Wars and Indiana Jones and the original Planet of the Apes. But there's also contemporary things. There's things from the Drew Carey show. There's things from Two and a Half Men. Uh, there's a stuffed classic, Marilyn Monroe, Lucille Ball, the silent era. Everything is covered, and it's covered beautifully, and it's done in a way that is just really compelling. So I would encourage anyone to go see it. I've known families that have gone and have had a great time. So it's a real museum. They do a great job. It's done with love. It's not very expensive at all, and I think, I think it's legitimately cultural. That will segue over to what was your favorite... Did you say your favorite museum? Oh, gosh, I forgot mine. I was so distracted with how much I you love the Hollywood Museum, I forgot about my own. For me, the Neon Museum in Las Vegas. 
I'm a huge fan of, of all things neon, and I like the whole classic Vegas, the old school Vegas, where they had the, you know, you change the light bulbs and those kind of things. So what they've done in downtown Las Vegas, about a mile from Fremont Street, is this is a real labor of love and a real passion project, but they take the old neon signs, so not necessarily Las Vegas, but there are some from old Chinese restaurants in the area, and they have what they call the graveyard. So they have them all out. The ones they're able to light up, they do. Otherwise, they have uplighting or backlighting on. And we did it in the evening, which they do both day and night tours, but I'm so glad I did it at night because you got to see these gorgeous signs in all their glory, and it was incredible. I loved it. And you can tell the docents there, they love what they do, and they really know their stuff because every question I asked, they had an answer. So I would highly recommend the Neon Museum. It is a nonprofit. You want to buy your tickets in advance because they do sell out, and they do, like I said, night and day. I know I even saw a promo they were doing something this fall like you could do yoga in the graveyard during the daytime and then they do another one that's a light show that I believe is called brilliance but we just did the regular nighttime walking tour and it took us about an hour hour and a half and it's fantastic so the neon museum in Las Vegas a lot of the neon isn't necessarily lighted up or working so if you can't make it at night I don't think it's the biggest deal I mean there are some cool things that are lit up but you're not missing out on say like every piece lit up at night so i don't think it would be disappointing if you could only do it during the daytime i think it's interesting uh sunshine or at night well going from there because we were doing some of the cultural things this year and not just our regular beach and theme park trips how about walking tours we actually booked a couple walking tours in countries and my favorite was the food tour in mexico city I loved it. It was about a three-hour tour. There was three of us plus two guides that were on the tour. And I believe we did seven stops of a combination of food and beverage. And I would highly recommend it. I mean, we went to Mercados. We went to bakeries. We had street tacos. We went to places that you would never know. We went to what's called, a, I believe, a pulperia, which was basically the hipster bars in Mexico City. I mean, it was incredible. And these are places I would never know to go to because I wouldn't know where they are so the food tour in mexico city was my favorite tour i think my favorite tour if you're talking about tours was when we were part of the vintage nevada tour the las the las vegas historical homes the las vegas the nevada preservation society based in las vegas so i was on twitter one day and i caught something from the las vegas review journal and it was part of the Nevada Preservation Society home tour that they do every year. And you can go to all the classic homes in the area, but every year they try to do one special home, whether it's Liberace's house or Wayne Newton. And this year, for the first time ever, and they've been trying to do this for years, they opened up the underground house, the famous underground house. And I remember this when I was a kid because it was built in the 70s. And you walk into this house and it's you it's uh, underneath like a duplex very unassuming duplex and you walk down the hallway and there's a door and you go down like two flights of stairs like 26 feet underground into this huge room like this football field sized room and there's a ranch style house complete with roof complete with chimney complete with a fireplace, an outdoor area made of carpet. The grass is carpet. It's got a pool. It's got a jacuzzi. It's got a whole grotto area. A guest house. It's got a, a casita. It's got a mini golf. It's got fake trees. 
it is amazing. And because it's been preserved so well, it's like a time capsule to like 1978 with the foil uh, wallpaper that they used to have back in the 70s. And many of the fixtures are still 1970s. And I just loved it. I'd always wanted to go and it did not disappoint. So if you get a chance, if you happen to be in Las Vegas or maybe schedule your trip to go gamble Las Vegas, the same time as the Nevada Preservation Society, they do a tremendous job. I'm a big fan. And I believe they told us they limited the tickets to under 100. So I, mean, I don't think we saw 40 or 50 people, but we know it was sold out. So that was interesting. And again, I had no background on it. So I just kind of showed up with Jim and it was fascinating. It was just like stepping into a different dimension, almost like you were living in a movie set. So that I would recommend if given an opportunity ever again. Yeah, even if they don't go there, they'll probably go somewhere great. And the people were really fun, really nice. So yeah, I highly recommend the Nevada Preservation Society. So since we're so cultured this year with all of our tours and museums, what was your favorite cultural experience? Oh, no question. Going to Lucha Libre, Mexican wrestling in Mexico City. So I love me some wrestling. And uh, I grew up, my stepfather was from Mexico. So I've grown up around Mexican culture, even though I look and act painfully white. And I understand more Spanish than I speak. But so anyway, uh, Lucha Libre is not really like American wrestling. It's ingrained in the culture. It goes back to a wrestler by the name of El Santo who made movies, who was a legend, who when he died, over 80,000 people went to his funeral in Mexico City. So he was a cultural icon and there's so many others. There's there's Blue Damon, there's Mil Mascaras, there today there's LA Park. There's so many people. But um, CMLL, which is the wrestling company, has ran Arena Mexico and owns Arena Mexico, and they just finished their 85th anniversary. So this is incredibly cultural, and Mexican wrestling is different. It's very acrobatic. It's almost like a blue-collar Cirque du Soleil. So you go there, and you'll, you'll just have a great time because it's all action. It's all movement. There's lots of colorful costumes, and the crowd, you know, the crowd knows what's up, but they're still having fun in the moment. They boo the bad guys and cheer the good guys. And, and it's just so much fun. And you go there on the outside and there's so much shopping to do. There's probably like, what, 20 pop-up tents? At least. <laughs> Filled with... Everything you can think of from t-shirts to mugs to wrestling belts. I mean, it was actually masks. masks I mean, masks by the dozen. I mean, food stops. There were so many things to buy and we just kept purchasing things and everything is so inexpensive. That's one thing I loved about it is because family events in this country, whether it's football or ice capades, I don't even know if they still have ice capades. If it's Disney on ice, <laughs> you know, it's very expensive. And these were like family prices for tickets and a couple of bucks to buy a mask, you know, seven, eight bucks to buy a mask or whatever. It's like not expensive. So you saw how many kids and adults and families we see wearing masks. Oh, dozens and dozens. And everybody spe was speaking Spanish. So when we actually were speaking English to each other, one guy came up to us and started talking to us, who was an American who was raised in Mexico. And he was so surprised to see other Americans there. 
I think I enjoyed this as much as you did because I had fun watching Jim's facial expression and kind of getting ingrained in it because I've heard him talk about this for all these years and some of the characters I'd heard him talk about. And we had great seats, but just kind of people watching here was so worth it. And of course, Jim's enthusiasm because this has kind of been one of his things he's always wanted to do is go to Mexico City for Lucha. And the fact that we got to do it this year was really special. So I'm glad we did it. Now, some of our friends who are in Mexico, who are Mexicans, who are Mexicanos, um, they told us, they go, oh, you know, that part of the neighborhood is sketchy. You may want to take someone. You may want to be careful. And from what we could see, it was fine. I wasn't, I didn't feel unsafe at all. No, we hired a driver round trip to take us there and to come back and get us. But I mean, I didn't find it to be an issue at all. It was, it was very convenient to have somebody there instead of trying to get a cab getting back out of El Centro because when it let out, thousands of people are getting out and taking cabs and whatnot. But I felt it to be a very safe area. And I would just say common sense, but I feel like that's anywhere we travel in the world is, you know, I'm not going to walk around with my wallet hanging out and I don't wear my fancy jewelry when I travel. Not that I have a lot of it, but you keep it simple. I mean, don't stand out and you'll have no problem. Yeah. So I would, I would probably recommend just for convenience sake, maybe getting a driver like we did get the tickets advanced ahead of time because Mexico is a very walk up country for, for Mexican wrestling tickets. So you don't have to wait in line to get your tickets when you get there. Not that it's the biggest deal, but get the best seats you can. And then when someone takes you to your seat, you got to tip them. Keep that in mind. <laughs> and then from what I could see, I don't think any uh, fans go to the concession stands. They have people running the whole time. And, for example, at the end of every aisle that we saw, there were cases of beer in bottles. And these runners in white coats would run and get people beer and food and what have you. And obviously you settle up at the end of the night and then tip them as well for that. So that's kind of the way... I saw it work. I didn't have any beer or any food or anything, but that certainly appeared to be the way it operated. Yeah, I mean, it was really fun and I enjoyed it, but not my favorite activity. Mine was actually, and I had heard about this through someone else who told me, when we were in Amsterdam, we went to Der Possenboots, which is a canal boat equivalent of like a humane society for kitties. And for anyone that knows me, I'm a huge cat lover and I love supporting animal charities. So we decided that Der Possenboot was open about four hours a day. So we got over to the canal boat and it's literally a floating boat and we saw all these people people queued up so we waited about a half an hour to get in because they let in I think six people at a time and it's free because it's a humane society essentially but it's they take charitable donations and you get to see the kitties and if you were adopting one you definitely could adopt them but we got to visit with them and then of course we had to purchase a couple of t-shirts because I love to make a donation towards any animal charity so if you want something neat that was a fun one and I've been to a couple of different um, cat sanctuaries and animal sanctuaries throughout the world and I really do enjoy helping out other animals now it's not the biggest space so keep in mind you may have to wait 10 20 minutes as everyone kind of gets their turn and goes in and sees the cats but again yeah it's a real legitimate nonprofit uh, organization you can buy a t-shirt you can make a donation but it's definitely worth seeing yeah that was really fun well, I know we've talked about roller coasters and theme parks, but there's more to theme parks than just roller coasters. So attractions, I'm going to go with that. And I'll start out with my favorite attraction. And granted, we did 10 theme parks this year. That is a lot of attractions to consider. And my favorite one is at Fantasia Land in Germany, Mouse All Chocolat. 
which is essentially it's a 3D um, attraction where you're riding in a mouse and you're going through a bakery and you're doing a laser shooting game, a 3D one, much like a Buzz Lightyear or a Toy Story that you'd find at Disney. So Mouse Chocolat was fabulous. It smells like chocolate. It's just fantastic. And I would recommend that hands down as my favorite attraction. This is a tough one. So we did a ton of great rides. Efteling is amazing. Um, there's Hotel Tartuffe, which is a fun house in Fantasialand. There's the uh, Haunted House, the Haunted Mansion ride, the Chinese ride. I can't remember the uh, rickshaw something. I Forgive me, I forget the name of it, but that was amazing. It's like the Haunted Mansion, but uh, Asian-themed and much longer, which was incredible. Um, I love the Ratatouille ride in Disneyland Paris. Um and then I also loved uh, two rides in Efteling. One, Symbolica, which is the new sort of signature ride, which is amazing. I loved Symbolica. But I've got to say that because it's older and because there's nothing like it anywhere, I think my favorite ride is at Efteling. And I think that it's Dream Flight or Dream Vlucked, as they call it. It is the sweetest ride. Again, it's from like the it's from like the late eighties, and it is so detailed, and it is so deep. The set the sets go so far back. I mean, it's almost too detailed, more detailed than you could even see, and it's got beautiful music, and all of the fairies are dancing, and there's flowers and green trees and and nymphs and different creatures and it's just the sweetest ride and it's all practical effects there are no screens because it predates all of that and maybe that's why I loved it it's just obviously so detailed so thoughtful and so sweet so for me I think the best ride of this year that I enjoyed the most which was a surprise because I went in there really wanting to ride Symbolica and don't get me wrong I loved Symbolica but there's just something about Dream Flight that nobody else has. So I'm gonna go with Dream Flight. Well, it's been quite a year. So we have seen a lot, we've done a lot, and this is just a condensed list of all of our favorites. We could go on and on and on, but we just wanted to kind of recap with you what we've enjoyed the most in 2018. And we're looking forward to 2019. It should be a big year for 2019. Yeah, we've got a couple big dates coming up for ourselves. Jim's got a big birthday that ends in a zero. We've got a 10th wedding anniversary coming up. So we've got some exciting things planned. And there's some exciting things happening in the travel industry. The Monolani Hotel that we stayed at this year for Jim's birthday on the Big Island, it closed this um, year. And it is going through a gut renovation. It has been purchased by the Auberge Corporation, which does fabulous hotels. And it's supposed to open hopefully by the end of 2019. And maybe we'll get to get a quick glimpse glimpse of that when it opens in a preview state. There's so many great things going on. Maybe a trip to Cabo coming up at a brand new hotel in just a few weeks at the Montage Los Cabos. And one country we've both been dying to go to and we're going to get the opportunity in a few months is we're going to Cuba for the first time. So lots of content coming in 2019 from the best trip ever. Be sure to follow and like and subscribe. And please share. Let people know that you're enjoying this, that you're getting value out of it, that you're enjoying the stories, but also learning things about travel and places to go and things to see. And I will mention, 
that I am going to Japan on January 1st. So you can follow me. I'll be going to Tokyo Disney, Tokyo Disney Sea, and uh, doing some stuff with uh, one of my uh, partners in another podcast, Fumi Saito, who is a, a leading author with. Uh, with combat sports, mixed martial arts and wrestling. So we'll be doing some stuff there. So follow me on Twitter at Jim Valley, but as always follow the best trip ever on our social platforms. Follow us on Twitter at the best trip ever. And also on Facebook at the best trip ever. Happy travels in 2019.